right, Shyamalama Ding Dong. It is raining cats and dogs outside. So sure is. unfortunately, to some of you listening to this, they these may be the final words you hear before your house collapses in on you from the multiple <laughs> tornado warnings. Yeah, tornado warnings all over the place. I think we got interrupted what three times today for EAS tests. Uh, correct. Now, yeah, wow, that's correct. insane. So if you're in your tub listening to this right now, uh, you're about to get some great uh, advice on taking really good teams and us telling you that they're going to finish last in their division. So <laughs> if it's the last thing you hear, then God bless you. But like like Gresh always says, Shime, and this stuck this stick, this will stick with me to the grave, uh, we do not waste your time. Unlike the 12th track on Blink-182's album Cheshire Cat, that was not a pre-written line, we do not waste your time. So what we're coming yeah, at you with today you. is our lay up, lay down, and lay away. What that means. Layup team that we will both make the case for. We think is the biggest layup to win their division in the NFL this year. We'll give you all the odds on DraftKings and such as we go along. Lay down is a team who maybe everyone thinks this is a really good team, but we think that they we're going to make the case that they could come in last in their division. And lay away is a team that maybe they they could surprise people and win their division this year. But more realistically, they're probably a year away from doing that. We'll make the case on a, on all of those shine. And a couple notes on this, though. There's been news that has happened today that has greatly influenced oh, some goodness. of my things. Yeah. All right, hit me with the news. What do you got? Including one in a uh, – well, we'll get to it when we get there. <laughs> but there was a major injury uh, in AFC East that uh, really throws a monkey wrench into this argument I'm going to make for a certain team that, that be a big uh, deal. wears green and whose mascot is an airplane. Ah, but uh, And Mutt, Mutt, again, not here this week. Uh, we are still – we will be uh, we'll be doing a GoFundMe coming up soon <laughs> to raise money for Mutt's bail as he is still – he was not the man at the Capitol today. Nope. But he, uh, he, you know what? Mutt could be headed down that path. <laughs> if this bill doesn't pass for, for sports betting You're in Massachusetts. See, if, you, if you decide to watch the Patriots-Eagles preseason game in week two, Mutt may or may not be outside of the stadium with a picket. Do you think Mutt's going to come back as like, as like prison Mutt? <laughs> kind of like Michael Scott in the office. He's going to come back to the prison podcast Mike, just like date Mike. ripping slurs and stuff. And, he's, and we literally he's have prison tattoos. Mike. It's going to be like Memento. He's going to have all these. You think Mutt would look like Pete Davidson with him with the tattoos with his shirt off? That's a rough image right there. That's tough. All right, right into it. Shime, let's start with your layup pick for division winner. So my layup uh, division winner pick here is pretty simple. I I went to one of the weaker divisions in football here, and that's the NFC East. Well, no, it's kind of a mosh pit of teams, right? NFC East, everybody overhypes the Cowboys every single year. Their offense is probably going to be really good. Their defense, however, going to suck. The Giants, again, a good defense. Terrible offense. I don't think Daniel Jones is the answer there. And then we all know that um, the wow, the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles are completely inept in just about everything. If they win any games, it'll be all thanks to Jalen Hurts. So ultimately, it comes down to one team, and that's the Washington football team. Absolutely, 100% all in on the football team here. I think their defense is easily going to be top three, top five in the league. Uh, Chase Young is going to ball. Like, he's a candidate for defensive player of the year he has to be they kind of remind me of the 2019 49ers where it was just four or five years of them just spending first round pick after first round on pick on the front Ryman. seven yes yeah and it's all it's it all looks like it's gonna come together there and if Fitzpatrick does anything okay like Fitzpatrick isn't great nobody thinks he is but to win that division you don't have to be great you just have to be fine and I think offensively their weapons are probably one of the more underrated groups in the league I oh, think Antonio sure. Gibson has the year the uh, the opportunity to become like the next Christian McCaffrey not quite maybe that big of numbers I don't think he'll play 90 
99% of the snaps. But, like, I think he has the ability to kind of have that impact on the offense. Then when you have Terry McLaurin, you're bringing in Curtis Samuel. Uh, Logan Thomas kind of came on a little bit last year, Definitely so he's did. around as well. The Adam Humphreys renaissance season is coming Ooh, in, Adam uh, according Humphreys. to every report. The Humphreys. He, could, he could have more targets than Curtis Samuel this year. I actually think he's going to because when Scott Turner was in Carolina, he could not find a way to use Curtis Samuel. Well, it wasn't Steve, until yeah. they got out of there that, they, that so Carolina figured that out. Curtis Samuel would come here uh, specifically because they couldn't figure out how to use well, him in Carolina. Because were best friends. Yeah, I guess so. That's and, basically and, the only reason. And they still have Stephen Sims, C- yeah, Stephen Sims <laughs> Jr., if I could get that out, uh, who actually played okay last year. So they have a lot of really good skill position players. Uh, and so Fitzpatrick just needs to not throw a million interceptions, and that team's going to win a decent amount of games in that division. So I'm going to take the Washington football team. They are currently plus 200 to win their division. That is my layup pick. Yeah, I have no disagreements with that, especially from the Dallas side. Dallas is the favorite to the betting favorite right now per DraftKings to win that division. And for me, there's just way too many like, oh, but this could happen, this could happen. There's like nine of those on their defense. Like, yeah. What if Trayvon Diggs is a number one receiver? What if Jalen Smith is suddenly good again? What if Leighton Vander Esch can't get injured? What if uh, not number one receiver on um, on Diggs, number one corner? What if uh, what if Micah Parsons is nasty, which he could be, especially the D line. Like you get Demarcus Lawrence, too many question marks for me. Yeah, a there. lot of question too marks. Too many question marks. Yep. I like Washington as well. My layup pick. And in going through uh, my analysis of this, I may have slightly talked myself off of it. <laughs> however, however, I might help my you layup talk yourself pick. off is the Indianapolis Colts at plus uh, one. They're currently plus 140 to win the division. That's second behind the Titans, who are minus 105. Mm. And the reason, let me go through all of this, and then I'll, 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 we'll, what we'll do is we'll Tarantino this, and we'll get back to how I yeah. end up talking myself off of this. Yeah, have because I have some comments on this one. Obviously, Carson Wentz is injured, and that's not a, that's not a very good good thing. Am I overreacting to one preseason game? I might be because we're talking about <laughs> we're talking about what rookie quarterback was the best. Was it Justin Fields? Was it Mac Jones? Was it Zach Wilson? The answer is Sam Ellinger. Sam Ellinger was the best rookie quarterback uh, in this, in week one of the preseason. However, he wasn't even the best QB on that roster in that game. Jacob Eason was back there slinging it, and I I trust them to go into the season with Jacob Eason. That's why I'm not so scared. Like I think the rest of the team is good enough, especially on offense, that it really shouldn't make that much of a difference, especially yep. if Carson Wentz is as bad as like people may think he is. And that's another see that's a big what if is the Carson Wentz situation. Is he going to be on the field on week 1? Is he ready week 1? Is he not ready till October? I also think that if if Sam Ellinger and Jacob Eason continue to look good, like I think there's a good chance that Frank Reich is even better than we think he is, and we're already pretty high on Frank Reich. Like he's easily a top half coach in the league, maybe even a top ten coach. Like we are, we have always been Frank Reich uh, proponents here. And so if he, I mean, if Carson Wentz doesn't start the season and Jacob Beeson comes out and looks great, Frank Reich might be better than even we thought originally. Right, and let's see. A lot of times when we people don't realize how well a team has drafted until that team starts to be good and sort of enter the. The, uh, the, co- the high court of public opinion. Yep. Nobody realized how well the 49ers were drafting until they were in the Super Bowl. Nobody realized how well the Buccaneers were drafting until they were in the Super Bowl. This is just last year for the Colts. They obviously drafted Michael Pittman, Jonathan Taylor, uh, not Justin or ju- not Justin Blackman. That was the receiver. Will Blackman, I think, the safety. Uh, then, obviously, Jacob Eason. Isaiah Rogers had a lot of impact with them. From UMass, go you, uh, go. on the kick return game last year. So, like, these like, these drafts are starting to pile up. And not only do they all – like, their defense, I think, is pretty much set. Like, they, they yeah. had an issue at edge rush. Darius they, Leonard they gets draft, his contract. Right. They draft Quiddy Pie. They draft uh, – I'm going to attempt to pronounce his name they, right. I apologize to his family. They traded for DeForest Buckner the he, year ago. Uh, Deo Odeyingbo. 
Okay. They drafted this year. You've got Michael Strachan, the sec- the seventh round pick, who's yep. popping off. So offense, as far as skill position goes, I really do not need to spend a lot of time on that. The big question mark, obviously, is left tackle. Their solution to Anthony Casanzo retiring was signed three left tackles. The one who's probably going to start is Eric Fisher, but he won't be ready until October. So that could be a big issue. We saw that At even happen. The year, yeah. Somebody blew around the side of left tackle uh, in that first game and strip sacked Jacob Eason. And it wasn't re- really on Eason, but like obviously that's an issue. Part of this, though, is being able to talk Houston, put Houston aside. They're, they're better they than Houston. Uh, I know you got a thing on Jacksonville that you'll get to here. Yep. Titans is obviously a lot to ask. And now we'll do that. This is where the Tarantino part comes in, Sean. Here's their schedule. And I hate to win-loss this, but no, just, just but, listen to the schedule. I like to hear strength of schedule. Seahawks, Rams, Titans. That's how they start the season. E. Dolphins, Ravens are the next two. Then they get Houston. Then they get San Francisco, Tennessee again. They get the Jets, the Jaguars. They finish off here. Bills, Tampa, Houston again. Patriots, Cardinals, uh, Raiders, Jacksonville. So this is a team... That's a tough schedule. That is, so the first half of that schedule is unbelievably If they difficult. start 0-3, that's a tough hole to get out of. So here's the thing with the Colts right now, I think, that it worries me the most. I think their strength of schedule in the beginning of the season, which is when they're going to have the most questions, is so difficult, right? Because you're not sure exactly when Carson Wentz is going to come back from this injury. You're... Quentin Nelson, they assume he might be able to play week one, but you can't guarantee that he's going to be even 100% healthy. And your left tackle situation isn't going to be figured out until probably October. So immediately your three biggest questions right there on offense are going to affect you until probably for the first month of the season, which is when you're facing some of the most difficult opponents you have on the schedule. And so I think to put yourself in a hole like that, whereas a team like Jacksonville starts the season against teams like Houston, Denver, Cincinnati, and Seattle, I believe, are their four. Oh, no, Arizona, I'm sorry, is the, I know it was an NFC West team, are their first four games. And so if Jacksonville somehow got out to a 3-1, and 4-0 and start, whereas the Colts get out to a 1-3, and 0-4 oh start, you immediately dig yourself into a hole that I just don't think you can crawl out of, even with the, the much more friendly schedule second half of the season. So part of this, obviously, is making the case against the Titans and the Jaguars. And my case against the Jaguars will be, I think their O-line's below average. I'm, something yep. that we talked about ever ever since this podcast started is the influence of a head coach on the offensive play caller. Yep. We like Daryl Bevel, heavy play-action guy. Yep. He oh, he caught the brunt of Matt Patricia's influence. That's exactly why they brought in Marvin Jones. Right, and we've talked about this with Pete Carroll. We'll get to that later. We've talked about this with Mike Zimmer. Even in that first preseason game, we'll have to see how it works out with the season. We talked about this with Bill O'Brien as well. Uh, I also I already didn't like Urban Meyer's influence on that offense. A lot of runs on early down. They got into they got into a third and nine like very quick. Trevor Lawrence got them out of it, yep. which is probably a, which is a good and a bad thing because right. that, that's like what Deshaun. He Watson's. shows the ability to do it when he needs to, but he shouldn't have to. You do You shouldn't it all have the time. to do it, yeah. and it, it doesn't look like my prediction is that they're not going to do him much favors with that, and that it could be like Daryl Bevel could be out of there after a year or a year. And, and it's a half not his fault because Urban Meyer wants him to run the ball more. Yeah, that could so, be one of those situations. I also don't think that that's necessarily necessarily I need to wait until I see this offense in a regular season game I think it's preseason I don't think they wanted to throw Trevor uh, Lawrence right to the wolves right away so I I do think it's okay to be a little run heavy in your first game of preseason but especially with a two-headed monster like James Robinson Travis Etienne I do expect them to run the ball a decent amount but at the same time they have enough offensive weapons where this team can actually be pretty good um, Trevor Lawrence is going to have to be able to throw to DJ Chark will come back from his hand surgery, no problem, beginning of the year. He'll be good to go. Then you have LaVishka Chenault, by all accounts, is absolutely dominating 
uh, was dominating preseason camp and he has been dominating since then. And then Marvin Jones, I mean, in the first preseason game, if anything is indicative of how Trevor Lawrence feels about Marvin Jones, he is going to be the most underrated receiver asset, possibly in football, just because, I mean, on, on four third downs, Trevor Lawrence targeted Marvin Jones. Uh, on all four of them, and he was three of four on all on those four third downs. So that rate alone tells you that Marvin Jones is the kind of experienced alpha receiver who understands a Daryl Bevel offense, and that can confidently be in a position that he needs to be in for Trevor Lawrence. And Trevor Lawrence can rely on him, and I think that's huge. I think that's very important in this offense. And then they have a couple pieces on defense. I think they're not going to be great on defense, but again, I, I ultimately think it comes down to strength of schedule and just a week-ish AFC South that allows the Jaguars to kind of have an opportunity. Yeah, see, it's it's weaker than people realize. And like like so I went through Indy's schedule. Tennessee's schedule is very similar. Yeah. They got they got off to a rough start as well. And my argument against Tennessee is ultimately that I think their defense is going to stink. Well, I think yeah, they have, pass rush. They have Again. Jeffrey Simmons and Kevin Byard. That's the that's their defense. They signed Janoris Jenkins. They signed maybe Bud Dupree. Caleb, yeah, maybe. Yeah, Bud Dupree, but I have but I have a case. He's not gonna fix he's also not gonna fix their sack yeah, problems, I also, right? I also uh, He's more like there's a lot of deep stats on him where it's like, all right, he's never first to the ball. Usually it was TJ Watt blowing it up, then yes. him coming in. That's and why. Are you seeing this new stat that's coming out a lot called first? It's like first contact or first pressure, no. basically, where it's like, okay, uh, you know, maybe TJ Watt had 30 pressures and Bud Dupree had 30 pressures, but who had the first pressure? Yeah. And so I've been seeing the stat a bit more, and it, it, it's interesting because if TJ Watt had 25 first pressures and all of it's like the secondary assist in hockey. Yes. And it started, and I'm like, because hockey's weird, because they still don't even break that down between, they're like, oh, how many assists did he have? But it's like, all right, this dude had 50 secondary assists, he just <laughs> happened to pass it. Like, that, like it's something worth keeping track of, and I think for Bud Dupree, if that stat were more readily available, I think people would, would more so realize that he was not maybe the player he was made out to be. I'm not saying he'll have no impact. But I think it's going to be a lot less than maybe people think. And the big thing we need to take note of, too, is we talk about this all the time. We generally, we don't always have to look at the sack numbers to know how good a defensive line is. We look at the pressure numbers. Pressures, yep. Right? And, and Tennessee's pressure numbers were like worse than Shaquille O'Neal free throw percentages last year. <laughs> to, so, like, to, to assume that Bud Dupree is going to fix that problem is a little asinine to me. Right. So, I think ultimately that's kind of where the big question with Tennessee is, is it's just. A, the thinness of their offense, right? Because if Julio or A.J. Brown gets hurt, your offense immediately gets ultimately, or like extremely thin right. uh, without Jonu Smith there anymore uh, and Corey Davis. So th- that's an issue. And then the defensive pressure is just, a, I don't care how good your secondary is. If yeah. you're getting no pressure, you're going to struggle. Like, And I almost wonder how Todd Downing, new OC for the Titans, I wonder how much of Arthur Smith's philosophies he shared those yeah. two sat in a room That'll together be for too. like 10 years and allegedly when Arthur Smith wasted away eight years of his life as the tight ends coach for the Tennessee Titans apparently he read a lot about like play action and stuff like that so if Todd Downing's in that room there's a case to be made for that to continue yes. but there's also the case to be made uh look at the rest of Todd Downing's offensive <laughs> coaching career and like he he's been an OC before and it was not pretty in yeah. those like pre-Derek Carr Raiders team Ugh. so you don't love that have you ever read about the Jacksonville Jaguars defensive coordinator no so it's a guy named Joe Cullen and if you look through his like coaching his coach it's actually pretty good his tra- he has a great track record as a D-line coach he said a lot of like you know a lot of his D-lines finished say like top 5 in the league in yards per carry allowed uh, he was the Browns one year, and I think they were like first in sacks, like the oh, most. Wow. The most before that, he had. He clearly was. He's clearly a recovered alcoholic. He had two arrests that were absolutely hysterical. I sent them to Gresh this morning, and I said, "We need to play a game called 
Joe Cullen or Chris Scheim, and we say what happened, and you have to guess who it is. One of them was he was arrested because he passed out drunk in a subway. <laughs> and then a few years later, he got arrested because he went through the driveway of a Wendy's naked. Both fast food-related arrests. Holy smokes. So very interesting. All right, we spent a lot of time on that, though. So let's we get, did. Let's get to your lay, we'll call it lay down or lay off. Like, yeah, don't pick, lay off, lay like, down. Lay down, this person could finish last, this team could finish last. I'm going to remix mine as lay off. Like, don't pick this team to win the division, but you yeah. go first. So my team is, is I'm going to go, again, to another confusing division. Uh, I think that's kind of where you can kind of figure these things out and take shots, take dark horse shots. Uh, I'm going to go out to the NFC West. Four really good teams, in everybody's opinion for the most part. I wouldn't say really good. Good to really good teams when you have the 49ers, the Rams, the Seahawks, and the Cardinals. Um, and so my case here is I'm going to lay down on or lay away or lay off of the Seattle Seahawks. I Everything screams to me implosion inbound. Whether it's it, whether it's the Pete Carroll coaching philosophy, um, the Russell Russell Wilson tension with the team, uh, the lack of offensive line play, the lack of defense, uh, which is uncommon for Pete Carroll teams. I, I just think there's so many signs that this team could kind of fall apart. Um, that I I saw somebody tweet what is uh, I think it was one of the guys from PFF. It might have been uh, Sam Monson. Tweeted out, what's a quarterback that could pull like a Carson Wentz or Jared Goff, where they are on a big contract on a team that generally has been winning, but all of a sudden has an implosion season and could be gone next year? My prediction, possibly Russell Wilson. Mm -hmm. I think there's a good good chance that there is a division between him and the Seahawks. I think there's a good chance the Seahawks kind of implode this year. And in a division that's really, really good, I think there's a good chance the Seahawks finish fourth. Now, they could still make the playoffs finishing fourth, like that's right. how good this division right. is, but I think that there's a case to be made that this team could easily finish fourth in the NFC West. Yeah, I have a lot of questions about this team and what it really. There's a big one. Like I have some smaller ones. Like so, Jordan Brooks, their first round pick last year, as well as uh, Daryl Taylor was a DN. They picked him like the third round. If they like, they both of them really didn't play, but they're like yep. expected to start. And if they end up being good, if they're able to sort of feed off of uh, Bobby Wagner, or even Alton Robinson, who they picked in like the fifth or sixth last year, who popped mm-hmm. out of nowhere, like if those two hit, and again, this like I was talking about with the Cowboys defense, there's so many ifs because then you even go back further in the defense, and it's like. Uh, is Akello Weatherspoon and Trey Flowers and Pierre Desir, I think DJ Reed, like, is that a good and corner group? And you just paid Jim All Adams a yeah, crap and, ton of see, money. See, that's interesting to me, and I was ranting to Gresh about this yesterday morning, too, because not only did you fold on making him the highest-paid safety when he's not good at covering people, uh, you fold, you also, he wanted to be more than yeah. two and a fourth million, uh, the two and a fourth million gap between him and the next guy, I think it's Justin Simmons, they wanted, he wanted to be more than that. It's like, no, when you pay, when you make somebody the highest-paid position, do it like a, like a half a million. Yeah. You don't need to go like over two million. And the fact that he wanted more, and by the way, he's not like a like a McDermott safeties where they're making no. the calls. He's at the line of scrimmage and Bobby Wagner's making the calls. Yes. So that's just dumb. But like, I got carried away with my littler questions because I, yeah. I don't think the O-line is as bad here. The big question for me, Shane Waldron, OC. We talked about this already Ooh, in this yep. podcast with influence of the head coach on the offensive coordinator. Shane Waldron's a McVay guy. Yes, he He's is. about to bring outside zone to Seattle. Uh, I guess an aside thing is if they get Dwayne Brown under contract, but let's assume they do. How much does Pete Carroll uh, insist that they run the ball? Because he did that. He did that last year. Yes, he did. He did that halfway through Skybox the season. Skybox shot. He lost let, his job because they of let, it. They let Shotty do his thing for half the year, and it was going fine. Was great. And then for no reason, turned the ball Carroll over decided, a couple of times, and Pete yeah, Carroll says, Pete "No, Carroll's no, no, like, not nope, in my we're house. Run, we're running the ball more." 
So that that's my biggest question for them. And if that's a question for them, because you know that's not happening with Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay. No, not at all. You know that's probably not happening with Cliff, King, uh, Cliff Kingsbury because he's just going to throw the ball up with four wide like 8,000 <laughs> times a game. So you know he's not going to do that. So that's I, I I agree with you on this. I agree with your layoff. So what do you got for a layoff here? Or lay down. My lay, I'm going to say lay off because I'm not ready to say that this team is going to come in last in their division because it's really hard to make the case against. Uh, it's it's hard to make the case that they're worse than the Steelers or the Bengals. But I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens, who are currently favored to win the AFC North over the Cleveland Browns, and I think that's very idiotic. And the reason being that there is there's a degree of volatility with the Ravens right now that there just isn't with the Browns. The Browns O line is going to be phenomenal. So Again, just yes. so just going down the wide receivers, and they've had wide receiver issues for years on the Ravens. So yes, they have. Hollywood's injured, Miles Boykins injured, Rashad Bateman's going to be out until like October. Uh, Tylen Wallace is not popping like everyone like they thought he would. Sammy Watkins is healthy. Uh, has but apparently been Sammy the best Watkins. receiver, but he will get injured at some point. Or and he'll just disappear. You have Devin DuVarney. So when that, that, but that's been the case with them for years. Yep. So what's always happened? Lamar's taken it over. Run the football. But what's the issue now with that team? Their offensive line. Yeah. Well, They've, they traded away uh, Orlando Jackson. Or, or, yeah, Orlando Jackson? No. Orlando Brown. Orlando Brown. You Jr. combined uh, O'Shea Jackson, Ice Cube, Little Cube <laughs> with Orlando Brown. Yes, Orlando uh, Brown Jr. Orlando Thank Brown, you. son of Orlando Brown. Yes. So <laughs> we just slammed those two together. That's like when you said uh, you said Pete Stump. You combined yes. Pete Wentz and Patrick Stump from yes. Fall Out Boy yeah, on the yeah. air once. So the issue with the O-line right now is that you've got Ronnie Stanley coming off of an ankle. Kevin Zeitler's already banged up. Uh uh, Villanueva's old. They signed Alejandro uh, Villanueva. They signed it from the Steelers. He's getting up there in age, and his play definitely slipped last year. They've got a five-man race at left guard. They've got Bradley Bozeman, who they moved to center for the first time. There's a lot of volatility on that offensive line that there was, and I don't think it's going to be as good and maybe be able to handle that run-heavy scheme as it has been in previous years for them. Defense, uh, it, it's the Ravens. It'll probably be fine. I'm not that worried I mean, about that. You still have Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters. Right. Like, and, be all right. And Marlon, Marlon Humphrey, I think, is good. I know we went down the other day. Patrick Queen was horrible last year. I know he's a rookie. I know he's a rookie, yeah. but he was he was bad. Yeah, but he had some moments. Like there was something Yeah, but it was against like there. the Bengals. Against the Bengals okay, in okay. a moment. But that's part of the case is trying to say that the, that's why I'm saying I'm saying don't pick them to win the division. The Browns are definitely better than this team. They're yep. more well-rounded. Their offensive line is much better. The moves they made at defense are, are, are much better. I should have picked them as my layup. We just talked about the Colts for 15 minutes, yeah. and I just talked myself into the Browns in two seconds. But like, it's hard to pick against because the Bengals were basically like, oh, we're going to pick Jamar Chase, who apparently has him and Joe Burrow have not been doing well at camp. Supposedly. I think that's more of a Joe Burrow thing than anything yeah. else. I think he's still just kind of figuring his knee out and kind of going slow. But then they, so I don't, I'm not too worried about that. So but. they decide to pass on Panay Sewell. They pass on Rashawn yeah. Slater. Yeah. They pick uh, something Carmen in the second round. Apparently, Jackson apparently, Carmen. Apparently he sucks. Their O line's gonna be bad again this year. <laughs> Probably gonna be bad again. Yes. They're gonna be bad, and it's really hard for me to say. Like just based on that alone, and knowing that their defense is always bad, aside from Jesse Bates, and uh, if Trey Hendrickson is good now in this contract, yep. or if he mails it in after he gets the bag, as DNs are wont to do <laughs> uh, in the National Football League. So it, it's really hard to make the case against the Bengals, against the Steelers. I think the Steelers are gonna have the best defense in the league. I really do. Mm, okay. The question is, I know you and I have harped on this a lot. Is their offensive line? Does that ripple and sort of bring the defense down? If there's any team that's always consistently had a good O-line, basically until last year, which I wouldn't say they were bad. I'd say they were like middle of the road to like slightly above average. Yep. It's the Steelers. And Melvin Ingram's popping for them already in in the first game. They've got they've got a nice rotation with him and Alex Highsmith. That's gonna be a name. Keep him in mind, listeners and chime, because Alex Highsmith is gonna be his kid's gonna be a star. He's yeah. going to be a star this gonna year. Be a star. So I'm not saying a, Alex Heisman had ridiculous production in college. Yeah. So 
So I'm not saying pick the Ravens to come in fourth. I'm not going to go with lay down. I'm going to go with lay off. Okay. So let's now get Shime to lay away. Maybe so, this team isn't going to win the division this year. Maybe they surprise people and do. Or, even or at make least the playoffs, make the playoffs on a wild card they team. might be a year away. Who's yeah. your pick for this? So my pick, I think this is fair. And I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Chargers. I think a lot of people are really high on the Chargers right now. I am one of them. I love the Chargers. But I, I don't think they're quite ready to compete for the division with Patrick Mahomes. Again, they're in a division with the Kansas City freaking Chiefs. Right. This is not going to be some easy thing to be able to try and take the division from them. However, I do think they're taking steps in the right direction. I think Rayshon Slater was an excellent draft pick. I think making sure that you're securing an offensive line for a young, good QB like Justin Herbert is the right move. And I think the Brandon Staley influence here will be good. I don't, I'm unsure of what to expect from him being a defensive coach. He has also, I mean, he's been around Sean McVay. He, he has a very like, good understanding see, of offense. Like he's he's not a person that we should apply the defensive coach. No, tag to, he's I very think. much. First, he was also a college quarterback. Yeah, and at this point, like he's very like much D one. <laughs> he's very much in that Belichick style mode where yeah. where defense is your specialty, but you are uh, you understand the game at all levels. Yep, it's not necessarily a one tier thing. Um, he's not like a specialist. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think Brendan Staley could actually be a really, really good uh, coaching hire for this team. Ultimately, it kind of comes down to how the defense looks, and that's kind of why I think this is a stay away. I don't think this defense is good enough to compete with the Kansas City Chiefs. The offense might be able to, but the defense I just don't think can. Uh, I, you know, Derwin James gets injured every year. He's, he would be awesome, but again, he's hurt like all the time. This defense is getting older. They need to kind of shuffle in some newer, younger talent and kind of find those guys. And then once they do that, I think this team will be ready to explode. And once that Patrick Mahomes contract kicks in where the Chiefs aren't going to just be able to pay whoever they want, it becomes it just becomes a game where, where you just have to be better than them half the season, most of the season, and then you can s- steal the division from them. Yeah, Chargers for me, like I said earlier, is too many questions. Both guard yeah. spots. Rayshon Slater, is he going to be Andrew Thomas or is he going to be Joe Thomas? But like, would you be shocked if they sneak in on the third wild card spot this Absolutely year? not. Exactly. For like sure they're not. talented enough to get there. Like what's that? Is that nine and eight? Like, yeah, like exactly. Hypothetically, like seven, in like maybe, maybe. maybe a weaker AFC. Yeah, they were seven and nine last year. They're, Justin Herbert is bound to get better. I think Brandon Staley is going to make them better. Yeah. So they're going to get healthier. So, like, I just, I think old, and Rayshon Slater makes them better. Mm-hmm. So I think thinking they go from seven and nine to nine and eight or ten and seven isn't outlandish. Right. And it, we, like, we talked about, like, Pete Carroll, Shane Waldron, Urban Meyer, Daryl Bevel. With Joe Lombardi and notable noted spoon Joe Lombardi, this and is your biggest complaint. This is like about the that. opposite. Yeah. This is like I want you want the head coach to have influence on yes. the offensive coordinator in this yep. situation, or else he's going to go out there like he did in 2015, where for five weeks he couldn't get the ball to Calvin Johnson and like just not throw it to, to Keenan. Yeah, Lombardi Allen or doesn't have a great track record. Yeah, so that so that's not great, and everybody knows that the Chiefs are going to win that division. So. Um, my layaway, and this one's tough because this is where the major news happened today that I teased earlier in the show. This would be the New York Jets, Ooh. and I think a lot of people are really, really down on the New York Jets. We had we had uh, our host yesterday saying they think Zach Wilson could be the Josh Rosen of this class. Eh, I think that's a stretch. I mean, aside, I, I I made the assertion earlier that Sam Ellinger was the best was the best rookie quarterback. Maybe going against fifth string guys, 
uh, aside from him, I think it was Zach Wilson. I think Zach Wilson was clearly like slinging it with the most confidence out of any of the quarterbacks. That offense is literally a carbon copy of the of the Kyle Shanahan offense. Well, it's because it's it's the it's the Matt Mike Lafleur right. effect. That's but exactly that's, what it is. But, but there was an, like I had a question about that even because when Matt Lafleur left, uh, he was in San, he wasn't in San Francisco. He was in L.A. Yep. When he left and went to the Titans, it did not look like that. No, the Titans. But, <laughs> that is not what his but offense. But Mike Lafleur like. spent some more time in San Francisco. Yeah. Then came over with Salah. Right. They bring in Tevin Coleman, who knows the San Francisco offense yep. already, and they're like, "We're just going to do this." Tevin Coleman, Michael Carter, uh, not Samaj P. Ryan, but his brother begins. La Michael. La Michael begins with an L. I guess I was wrong. That like that's a San Francisco backfield. That's exactly what I see. Like none of those guys are going to significantly outtouch the other week to week. You might not know who's going to get the most touches. It's probably going to lean successful. Tevin Coleman, but they're going to go with the hot hand. Right. So then they've got Makai Becton coming back, Elijah Vera Tucker. They're, I think their offensive line's line be is really low good. key, really good. And then we haven't even hit on the wide receivers. Screw tight end. Ryan Griffin's probably fine. Chris Herndon, he stinks. So yeah. put tight end aside. But they're wide receivers. Elijah Moore is going to pop. Denzel Mims apparently has been playing better. You uh, already got so Jamison Crowder. The issue with Mims, too, is I don't know if you heard this in a press conference. He said over the offseason he ended up getting food poisoning from salmon, which is why he ended up losing 20 pounds. Oh, no. He dropped from two, like, 17 down to 197. Yeah. So I don't think Mims is going to, like, I think he's, like, the fourth receiver. And so, like, but that, like, that's why he was held out of a lot of the offseason workouts and stuff like that because he was just sick mm-hmm. and he was just trying to gain muscle back. And so, like, but then you so then you go to defense. Well, one that one note on offense is that like, be, like Belichick defenses, for example, which you know Brian Flores. It's I'm not saying he runs the Belichick defense, but nope. he's from that tree. Yep, they've struggled against that outside zone scheme. We uh, significantly over the years. We saw it last year. It came. It came around and really bit them in the ass a few yeah, times. A little bit. Um, you go to defense, and this was the big issue. So uh, their front seven, I think, is was greatly improved until today. C.J. Mosley's coming back. I loved the Carl Lawson signing, and he went down today, and the word is it's an Achilles, and he's going to miss uh, the year. He's done. And that's tough, because I think their pass rush was going to be much greater, and even though on the back end it looked like it was basically just going to be Marcus May, he's like the Will Smith meme with him like sitting in the room with nothing else <laughs> yes. in it. Maybe LaMarcus Joyner is a comeback year, but this is the Robert Sala effect, because what was the 49ers defense aside from Roger uh, Richard Sherman? It was and, a bunch, and it, it was, was old, bu- and it was old Richard Sherman. Yeah, it was a bunch of guys. Yeah, it was a bunch of guys who they mostly found. It was like it was third round Akello Witherspoon. It was seventh round Adrian Colbert who's fighting for yep. a spot on the Patriots now. And Robert Sala made it work. And I really think if that pass rush was good, like it was in San Fran, he was going to make that work. Agreed. And I'm not saying like they're plus two twenty five hundred to win the AFC East. I'm not saying they're going to win the AFC East. I do think they could sneak in an upset against the Patriots. They the could sneak in a they could sneak in a wild card berth yeah. next year. Like right. I, I don't see. I, I think I think they're on the right track. Like the Jets right. have a good plan. That's what I would say about the New York Jets right now. They have a good foundation, a good plan. They need to just keep building on that. Especially if they got to be like. It, you know, it could be like a Bulls situation where maybe those guys don't pop till later in the season. But if the Patriots, Dolphins, and Jets were all four and five or five and four heading into Week Nine or Ten, and suddenly those guys in the secondary, those young guys, start to come on as Salah has done in the past, then you know you never know. Yeah, to make the playoffs just alone, make the playoffs. I don't have the odds on that. AFC would be tough. The AFC is going to be pretty good this year. AFC is going to be good. So that's tough, but keep keep it in mind going forward that the, the Jets may not be, especially from a fantasy perspective, too. Uh, yeah. Like, Michael Carter might not be that bad of a pick. I know it's it, picking rookie running backs that early. Especially who are they were picks. sharing a backfield with Javante Williams. Yeah, like, if he's your third running back, maybe maybe think about it. But, all right, that is my, uh, that's my layaway, Sean. My layup was the Indianapolis Colts. My lay down 
slash off was the Baltimore Ravens, my layaway, the New York Jets. Recap for me. I went lay up Washington football team, lay away, or, or I'm sorry, lay down or lay off was the Seattle Seahawks, and lay down, or, and, oh God, I can't get this right. Lay up was Washington. This is like the pick, pass, or punt thing. Yeah, all it's over just again, a mess. Right? <laughs> lay up was Washington, lay down was the Seahawks, and my lay away was the Chargers. All right, so. Tweet us your layup, lay down, slash off, slash lay away, slash your your six pack of whatever uh, <laughs> at Shime Time at Anderson J A. Tweet at Gresh Keefe. I think Winners Club Pod account is dead. So tweet it, at Gresh Keefe. It exists, Keefe, but it's kind of dead. That's where it's coming from. And uh, you know, like we always say, Shime, this is a family. By the way, what? So if you're in your bathtub right now, hopefully you got to this point of the podcast. Yep, definitely. But if you didn't, I really hope the last thing you heard was me telling you that Joe Cullen was uh, arrested naked in a Wendy's parking lot. That would be a great, <laughs> great, great thing to parrot. I would to. love that. Uh, so this is a family there are many other podcasts in this network including and by many we mean the hashtag dork podcast they just did a live show at idle hands brewery it was, was a great present. time we were all present i uh, had a couple few beverages uh it was a nice time they did a good episode uh they did the dork hall of fame we also have the brad foe show is still in existence joe and, kelly was on this week <laughs> of course per usual the skate pod i believe is still guys still i think they're doing some off-season episodes here oh, and so there. They, they actually recently drafted the uh all bergeron, the all team. bergeron team. yes very interesting topic brian defelice and Scott McLaughlin on that. And then, of course, the off-day podcast, Andy Hart, Ryan Hannibal. Download it uh, tomorrow when they recap uh, Patriots-Eagles preseason game two. So that's all we got for you, Sean. I'm out of here. See ya. In the first four weeks, there are two Raiders Monday Night Football games. (laughs) So start reading up on the Raiders. Boop, 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 boop. I can't hear myself. Boop, boop. Ah, there we go. What are you looking for? I have, uh, I think I've got yours on here, unless they've changed. So Washington, I've got their plus 230, and that would be second to Dallas's plus 130. Uh, Tennessee's minus 105. Colts are in second. Uh, your other one, Seahawks, they're plus 275. That's third. I've got San Fran and the Rams on here as well. And then uh, Chargers are plus 450 at second. No headphones? Uh, I don't you're, need, you know, you need you, to. Yeah, you're not playing anything out of there, right? No, I don't think so. We're just going to do a quick 3-2-1 uh, and uh, do it. I'll get Send back it, to some of, the, uh, some of the other stuff there. So <clears throat> coming at you in 3-2-1.